Bibles and let's turn to 2 Peter, chapter number 1. 2 Peter, chapter number 1. We're talking about keys to spiritual growth. And we've seen that in order for a person to grow spiritually, it's fundamentally important to begin by having a good and proper foundation to build upon. And there's only one good and proper foundation, and that is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. First uh, Corinthians 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And he, Jesus himself, when he walked the earth, he also told a story talking about the need for the necessary foundation and that a person with a proper foundation was one that would build upon what Jesus said. And Jesus, of course, the first thing that he wanted us to do is believe on him. And he says in Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. But... By repenting of our sin and trusting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we who are true believers have a good foundation on which to build our lives. Uh, all other ground is sinking sand. But listen, the foundation is just the beginning. Amen? It's just the beginning. I remember many years ago when I-95 was coming, cutting through Brunswick. Our house sat right where we... The on-ramp of Highway 341 was going to go. And so we had to move. And we moved uh, out uh, in the outer bounds of of Brunswick uh, to a place, a little community called Sterling. And uh, we uh, built a house there. And I remember as an 11-year-old boy, and my, my brother was about 13 at the time, and we were called upon to help dig the foundation for that house that my dad built. He built a house out there. And we, we, we were the manual laborers. <laughs> we, did, we were carpenter helpers and everything else. But the first thing we had to do was to lay a foundation. And we had to dig to, for them to be able to pour a foundation to build that house upon. A foundation is important. A, a proper foundation is important. Amen. You can have a foundation, but if the foundation is no good, don't worry about what you're building on it. It's, it's, it's all for naught. But uh, we, the foundation is just the beginning of a structure. We didn't stop with the foundation. We built upon that foundation. And that's what we're talking about uh, last week and today. We're talking about uh, 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 Peter in, in challenging believers here to be diligent in the matter of adding to their faith. Let's read verse 5 through 7 here. And besides this, talking about besides our faith in Christ, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and do virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Uh, listen, we, we uh, began uh, taking a look at this and 
uh, we are to build our, our, our upon that foundation of faith, and we're to we build in a certain way. In this letter, Peter shares with us the Lord's plan for building our spiritual lives, and I believe the things that we just read here and those verses are the are the gold, silver, and precious stones that Paul talked about in First Corinthians three, verses ten through twelve. I'm not going to turn over there and read that for the sake of time, but uh, you can write that down. First Corinthians three, verses ten through twelve. But thus far, we've learned that we must be spiritually diligent about adding these things. That's what he says in verse number 5. Beside this, giving all diligence. That means that we are to give our best effort and with the aid of the Holy Spirit to add these things to our faith to bring about or accomplish spiritual growth in our lives. Listen, it takes work. It takes effort. It doesn't happen just because you're saved. You've got, to, you've got to, uh, to, to put something into it. And it takes continuing in those things. If we are to grow spiritually, then we must habitually practice spiritual diligence. I can't stress that enough. Habitually practice spiritual diligence in adding these things to our faith. We saw last week that we must add virtue to our faith. We should cultivate a passion for virtue in our lives. Virtue, we said, refers to the courageous pursuit of moral excellence. Remember we said that virtue is an attitude that we must have as well as an action that we must take. Internally, we are to desire to do what is right. And then outwardly, we are to demonstrate that desire by doing what is right. But virtue is pursuing holiness in our lives as we live and this very obviously and increasingly unholy world that we live in. Notice uh, that Peter goes on in verse number 5 to tell us that this virtue, this having a desire to do what is right, is essential, but he doesn't stop there. Listen, just desiring to do what is right is not enough. It's great to have the desire, and I hope you've got the desire to do what's right. But we must add something to that desire. Therefore, Peter instructs us to add knowledge to virtue. To add knowledge to virtue. By knowledge, Peter is referring to both the investigation and the comprehension of spiritual truth. In other words, simply speaking, he is saying that we need to add to virtue a concentrated effort of learning doctrine or spiritual truth. Amen? It's essential to learn doctrine or spiritual truth. In other words, if we're going to become mature and effective believers, we must increase in our knowledge of God and His Word. It is essential. Our only true source of spiritual truth is the Word of God. The Word of God must be the final authority in our lives. Could I tell you that that's not the way it is in a lot of folks, even a lot of people that are in church, they don't see the Bible as being their final authority. They look at themselves as being their final authority. <laughs> and, and that's not right. God has got the final word on everything. Listen, remember how that 2 Timothy 3.16 states that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it says, and it's profitable for doctrine. And we say that doctrine means what is right for reproof, what, what is wrong, and for correction, how to get right. And for instruction in righteousness. And that's how to stay right. So, you know, we know that there's some churches who try to avoid doctrine. 
Uh, they, they even mention it in their, uh, in their advertising. We're not a doctrinal church. Well, uh, not much of a church if you're not a doctrinal church. But people say, well, doctrine divides. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but Jesus, you know, preached doctrine. Listen, to take away sound doctrine and church becomes nothing more than a social club. That's all it is. Just how important is doctrine? Let's consider that Jesus taught doctrine. Amen. In Matthew 7 verse 28 says, It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Jesus taught doctrine. And it talks about the, they, they, they were astonished also in Mark 1.22 and Mark 11.22. And uh, in Mark 1 verse 27 they said they were amazed at his doctrine. Uh, listen, Mark 4 verse 2 says, And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. His doctrine. Jesus has a doctrine. And that doctrine is in the, the word of God. It is the word of God. We have the written word of God. He was the living word of God. Amen. And we must listen to what he has to say. Mark 12, verse 38 says, And he said unto them, In his doctrine, he, he was speaking to his disciples, and he said to them, In his doctrine, he says, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces. He was warning them of the, the false doctrine of the scribes and the Pharisees. And that's not the only place he did that. In, in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 12 says, Then they understood how they that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So it's, it's not only behooves us to have doctrine, but to have right doctrine. Where do you find right doctrine? You find it in God's holy word. Jesus said that his doctrine was from God the Father. He said that in John 7, verse 16 to 17. It says, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. John 18, verse 19. Uh, even the high priest asked Jesus, of his disciples and, and of his doctrine. They want to know about his doctrine. Now, according to Acts 2.42, we know that not only did Jesus uh, uh, teach doctrine, but also the, the early church. They were busy about doctrine. The church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, according to Acts 2.42. The apostles were accused by the high priest and council in Acts 5.28 of having filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. With their doctrine. See, doctrine is what they were supposed to be about. A person cannot get saved without right doctrine. You cannot get saved apart from proper doctrine. Uh, Romans 6, 17 says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. What was Paul talking about? Talking about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the right doctrine that believing on Him is how you get, get salvation. It's not through works. It's not through church membership. It's not through anything else. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And any other doctrine that tells you that you can get there another way is a, is a false doctrine because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said so Himself. Paul wrote that we were to avoid those with wrong doctrine. 
In Romans 16, verse 17, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. See, it's not only incumbent upon us to, to, to be, fill our lives with right doctrine, but it's, we're to hold on to it. We're not to let it loose. We're, we're, we're to stick with. Don't, don't go with something that's contrary to that good doctrine which we've learned. Ephesians 4, verse 14 uh, Paul wrote, he says, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Sadly, there are some who claim to be believers that will uh, listen to those who uh, teach wrong doctrine. They'll be tossed about in their life uh, between uh, good doctrine and bad doctrine, every wind of doctrine. 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul told Timothy, he says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. He was to give as a young uh, pastor, as a young preacher, he was to give attendance to doctrine. 1 Timothy 6, verse 3 and 4. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy and says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, uh, but doting about questions and strifes uh, of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. And then he told him just, be, just before uh, the, the, the Apostle Paul uh, lost his life and, uh, as a martyr for the Lord, he, he encouraged Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2 and 3. He told him to preach the word. He said, be instant in season and out of season. Uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Can I tell you we are in that time? People will come and they'll hear the sound doctrine, the sound doctrine to drive them right back out that door. They, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear what they want to hear. Listen, we, we are to, to, to uh, endure sound doctrine he says that for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, meaning that they want to hear what they want to hear, and they're not interested in hearing the truth. Now, if we want to grow spiritually, then we must become students of the precious word of God, who will learn it, love it, and live it. Amen. Uh, there are no shortcuts to spiritual growth. To grow spiritually demands a diligent effort on our part to learn spiritual truth from the Word of God. Now listen, that effort should involve several things. Number one, it should involve getting to know the Bible better uh, uh, through hearing and heeding the preaching of God's Word. So many folks uh, uh, forsake the preaching of God's word. And Acts 6 verse 4 points out that the pastor's two most important functions are to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Spend a lot of time in prayer and the ministry of the word to, because that's what I'm supposed to do as your pastor. But listen, I'm to feed the flock of God also according to 1 Peter 5.1 but it's kind of hard to feed you. 
if you don't come to the, to the feeding trough. Yeah? If, if, if you don't show up to the feeding trough and if you don't access the other ways that we got to, to, for you to be fed, uh, I know that some of you can't be here all the time and you listen, faithfully listen online. Uh, you got to listen. And you know, if, you, if you are not able, not able to come, uh, some of the services, uh, but you don't access, you can access, but you don't access the, what we have online to, for you to fill in those gaps that uh, you're, you're not able to come before. That's a problem. It's a problem for you. Every child of God needs to be fed spiritually through the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. I'll make no apologies for it at all. Okay? Number two, getting to know the Bible better also involves the systematic study of the Bible. Studying the Bible. Um, our Wednesday night Bible study and prayer time aren't just for folks who have nothing better to do. It's an opportunity to systematically study the Word of God. Y'all know that we, we, we faithfully do that on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday services. Getting to know the Bible also involves personally reading and studying the Bible for yourself. Listen, we are not to rely upon others to do all of our studying for us. Listen, if you rely just on the preacher to do all your studying for you, what if I, what if I begin to stray? What if I begin to drift away from where I'm supposed to be? You can be led that way. That's how folks are led astray into errors and cults, by not studying for themselves. Search the scriptures for, for yourself to see if the things which are preached and taught are so. That's one of the reasons why we give you a handout there. To, uh, so you can go back. I know we went through a lot of scripture already this morning. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, we don't have time to turn to it all. And uh, if we took time to turn to it all, you'd be uh, complaining about how long the service is. So, so I give you, try to give you, a, when we got a lot of scripture like that, give you a handout so that you can go back and look at it and study it for yourself. Listen, getting to know the Bible better also involves taking every advantage and opportunity to learn from the Word of God. Every advantage that God gives you to, to take and learn from the Word, we need to take advantage of it. So we are to add knowledge, that is, we are to add spiritual truth to our lives. Well, how does that help us, adding spiritual truth to our lives? Well, three things, quickly, okay? Number one. Knowing spiritual truth will help us to know right from wrong. Can I tell you there's a big lack of that today? Some may say, well, preacher, everybody knows right from wrong. Well, I wish that was true, but it's not. We live in a, in a day that is similar to a time in the Old Testament that we just got finished studying. We, we just wrapped up the book of Judges a few weeks ago. But the very last verse in the book of Judges tells us that every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes. Does that not describe what we see in our own country right now and across the world? People want to do what's right in their own eyes, not, not what God says is right. Isaiah 5 verse 20 tells us that there are those who call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for dark, darkness. In fact, it pronounces a woe upon people like that. Woe be unto them that do that. And, and can I tell you that some of these folks are in churches? They are. Uh, sad, it's sad, but it's true. Not everyone has the correct concept of right and wrong. As a matter of fact, our society is seldom right anymore when it comes to what is right and wrong. 
I mean, we're living in a time when the world is increasingly putting their stamp of approval on uh, things that are not in the Bible, on things that the Bible calls a sin and things that the Bible calls an abomination. They're, the world puts, and even the government, the government, the world, uh, they'll put their stamp of approval on it, and they, they say, you know, you ought not have a problem with it because uh, it's legal. <laughs> doesn't, have, doesn't, doesn't matter. Uh, you, uh, it's, it's wrong. Listen, we, we, we live in a time where people are having trouble telling the difference between right and wrong. And if we're going to know what's right and know what's wrong, we better be students of the Word. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Listen, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that it's through the skillful use of the word of God that we are equipped to discern both good and evil. There in Hebrews 5 verse 14. So knowing spiritual truth will help us know right from wrong. Number two, Knowing spiritual truth will help us win our spiritual battles. You know, if you're saved, you're in a spiritual battle. We, we, we just are. And can I tell you that that spiritual battle is increasing? Yeah. It, evil is, is on increase. Um, demonism, de- demonism and sa- satanic forces are increasing in our day and time. The Christian life is a battleground. If we are to grow, then we must have victory over temptation and sin. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was tempted in Matthew chapter number four, you remember he was three temptations that uh, that are recorded that Satan hurled at him, and he opposed Satan's temptation with the Word of God. You think he did that just because? Or you think he did that for a purpose? He, he, he did it with a purpose. <laughs> he quoted the scriptures. He, he, he repeatedly said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And then the devil left him. Amen? He, he resisted Satan with the word. Paul exhorted believers in Ephesians 6 as to how to be equipped for spiritual conflict. He said that we are to put on the whole armor of God. And listen, a part of that armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Could I tell you the more that you know how to use your sword, your, your, the, the, the Word of God, the better off, better equipped you're going to be to handle the, the uh, uh, temptations of today. James 4 verse 7 says that we're to resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Well, see, the, the Word of God is a defensive weapon that causes Satan to flee from us. Here's the last thing. Knowing spiritual truth will help us to know, to love, and to appreciate our Lord and Savior more. And I, I know we all, well, if I was to ask you, do you love the Lord? You, say, yeah. you know, knowledge of what he's doing and what he's done for you, the more you know, the better your love's going to grow. It just, it's just a fact. Peter's burden was to see his readers grow in strong in their faith. In fact, in the very final verse of this letter, he underscores 
the message of this book. He says, but grow in grace in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Listen, we all need to grow in our knowledge of Jesus that we might be more like Him. You're not going to become like Him if you don't know Him. <laughs> no way it's going to happen. Just not going to happen. The Apostle Paul's ambition was to know Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2, 2. He says, Why well, I determined not to know anything among you uh, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Philippians 3, verse 8. He, uh, Paul said, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency, listen, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And then Philippians 3.10, uh, he said that I may know Him, to call that knowing Christ, and that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. You know, I'm thankful that when I got saved, I, I already knew a lot about Jesus. I wasn't saved yet, but growing up in Sunday school and in church, in fact, I, I tell folks, you know, I, I started going to church nine months before I was born. And that's true. And uh, the first Sunday, first Sunday that I, I was born on a Wednesday, that next Sunday I was in church, believe it or not. I was born on a Wednesday, Wednesday evening, and my, my parents had me in church the, the following Sunday. And I, I, I thank God for that. I praise God for that. Uh, because when I got saved, I already knew a lot about Jesus and, and my salvation because I grew up in church. You know, the Apostle Paul was the same way. He had studied the Bible, talked about the Old Testament at the feet of Gamaliel. He already knew the Word of God, but it didn't open up until he got saved. When he got saved, it all opened up to him, and he began to, he began to, to, to use that in a skillful way in what God called him to do. Paul told Timothy uh, about his youth. Man, we know that Timothy uh, had been raised up in the Scriptures by his mother and his grandmother. And he says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That's 2 Timothy 3.15. Now listen, since my salvation, I have a greater understanding of what I learned as a child. I thank God for the, the uh, Sunday school teachers that encouraged me to... Uh, to memorize scripture. Now they would encourage me by giving me candy bars, or, piece, or pieces of candy. You know, you, if, you, if you know your memory verse, you'll get a candy bar next week. You know, so I learned it to get the candy bar. But that that I learned, uh, can I tell you, is much more valuable than a candy bar. Much more valuable. Um, but I thank God for the teachers that encouraged me, even in uh, uh, as I didn't know what they were doing. Uh, uh, the, to, to, to take and, and use the Word of God in, in such a way. I've learned a lot more of the details about Jesus and my salvation since I was a child. That knowledge makes me appreciate Him and love Him more than I was able to when I first received Him as my Savior. All that growth in Him. All that learning of, of Him. Not only in the Word, but listen, you learn from the Lord experientially also. Experientially. As you go through things, and the Lord helps you. you know, 
He, as He delivers you through them. He don't always deliver you from things, but He delivers you through them. He, he's always there for us. And we, we know that we are to, to look to Him. But you're not going to look to Him if you don't know Him. What's your attitude toward gaining knowledge of the Word of God? You know, some folks think they know all they need to know already. These are those who are satisfied with the knowledge that they are saved and on their way to heaven. And what more could I possibly want to know than that? Can I tell you, that's, uh, that's pretty poor um, as a believer to be a, in that way. Some think they've arrived and nobody can teach them anything. They've been in church for years and they think they know it all already. Listen, these usually deem themselves as spiritually mature and only show up at church to critique what's going on, not to learn for themselves. Could I tell you, none of us know it all. <laughs> Your pastor is still learning. Some think that too much of a good thing is bad for you. And these are usually characterized by hit and miss church attendance. You know, I think Sunday morning is plenty good enough for me. Uh, and uh, you miss out on two-thirds of what's going on here. Two -thirds. Think about it. Two-thirds. Some think that repetition is boring. These are those that when a truth is repeated and they think they know it already, they put their mind in neutral. And they just coast through. And they don't show up. Some of them don't show up for the teaching. These same people watch reruns of TV shows and movies with delight. But they don't like reruns at church. Can I tell you that um, to speak the same things under uh, you uh, for, it, it may not be convenient, but for you it's safe. You know, we need to be reminded of the truth. Reminded of the truth. Then there are those who can't get enough. And I hope that you're in that, in that uh, section of folks. Matthew 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And we all need to be determined to be that kind of a believer. Hunger, thirst, can't wait to hear what the preacher's going to say today. You know, uh, get here and be expecting the, the Lord to speak to your heart through His Word. And if you come expecting, listen, He will do that. He'll, he'll, he'll speak to your heart. Get into the Word of God. Let it help you grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, verse 9 and 10, Paul wrote, he says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And listen to this, a desire for them. And desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And that's every, every right preacher's desire is for people to get the Word so they'll walk in the Word. Amen. You'll, you'll hear the things, you'll learn, you'll grow, and you'll walk in that which you learn. You'll walk worthy of the Lord. Uh, I'm not going to turn to Proverbs chapter number 2, not even going to quote it, but it, talking about the diligence or the work that's required to do such a thing and how that it is more valuable uh, to have the wisdom of God's Word than any, any of these the, the riches of today. Proverbs 24 verse 5 says, A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. 
Be a, be a man or woman of knowledge. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, for those who may be here this morning and have not trusted Jesus as your Savior, let me tell you that there's a knowledge that God wants you to pursue too. And that is... I found in Proverbs 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord. You, you need to pursue the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of knowledge. When you fear the Lord, you'll come to a saving knowledge of Him, and then you'll be, begin to uh, be able to uh, understand the truth of God's Word. 1 Timothy 2, 4 teaches us that it's God's will for all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Now we know that not everybody's going to be saved, but God, God provided that salvation for everyone. Whether you're here this morning and you're a believer or unbeliever, God provided that salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ. And God wants you to know the truth about salvation. And the truth is that we're all sinners. There's a price to pay for sin. We cannot save ourselves. God loves us and wants to save us. Jesus Christ has paid that price for our sin and Jesus is the only way of salvation. And if you die without Jesus in your life, listen, you're going to be separated from God for all eternity in a lake of fire. You say, I don't like that. Well, it's the truth. It's what the Word of God says. So do you have knowledge of these truths? Do you know Jesus? More importantly, does Jesus know you? I don't want to... Yeah, I don't want you to hear on that day, depart from me, ye which work iniquity. I never knew you. I want you to know Jesus, and I want Him to know you today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, take these words today and teach our hearts, Lord, to add to our faith these things. And Lord, to, our, to the virtue that we talked about last week, we need to add this knowledge. Help us with that. None of us are adequate in and of ourselves. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the complete Word of God that we have. Lord, we're so blessed as a people to have the, your completed Word and to have your indwelling Holy Spirit as our guide. Help us, Lord, to, to use the, the tools that you have given to us to, to be uh, what, you, what you have called us to be. Lord, to, to, to be a growing, uh, spiritually mature uh, believer. Help us. With these, And if there's one here today that doesn't know Christ, help them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please.